0: Danny Beasley, welcome to the Wolf Den.
1: Thanks, Rich. Very uh, excited to be here. I've um, been a big fan and um, watched from afar and uh, it's really good to come and take a look.
0: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So there's a lot to talk about. You've had a a huge career, um, an epic career, and you've ridden all over the world. You've ridden a lot of the best horses around the world. And I want to start right here and right now and this weekend. And you rode at Rose Hill yesterday. And for people who don't know, you've resettled in Wagga. You're you're a Wagga boy um, at heart and you've been all over the world and we'll talk about that, but you're back in Wagga now. And I want to know, at your age and stage in life and also I presume, you know, reasonably financially comfortable, what is the desire that you want to travel the four four and a bit hours to Rose Hill to try and ride horses to win races?
1: Yeah, well, I think you never lose that um, passion to – be successful um and there's no place like you always want to would love to be at the top i'm very re- realistic in where i'm at in yep. my in my career um but if you get the opportunity to come back and ride at ramwick right at rose hill which ramwick is is my holy grail place you know like when I walk up that race and go onto that track, I, I just get a different feeling. Yeah. Um, so any opportunity that I'm ever gonna get, even being this late in my career, I'm still gonna sort of take with open arms because um, I know it's the end's probably not too far away. Yes. Um, so I feel really blessed and privileged to be still doing this the, the thing that I've is my whole life um, at this age. And still being able to have the opportunity to compete at the highest level, it's it's pretty um, yeah pretty humbling.
0: Yeah, and so you retired from for the first time, say seven or eight years ago in Singapore. Would that be about right? Yeah, that's correct. And then you moved into training for a few years, which we'll, we'll talk about training a bit later. But yeah, so what happened that made you decide that you wanted to start riding again in Singapore?
1: Ah, uh, COVID. Okay. Yeah. So I was as assistant trainer for Daniel Maher and pretty happy doing doing that. Yeah. Um just moving along, the, doing the process type of thing. Um learning a lot about um about the training side of things. Um and then COVID hit and um, turned the world on its head. Mm. Uh, changed people's views and difference and lifestyles completely as um was well documented mm. and with Singapore a lot of people left, a lot of jockeys left, um, trainers left and the whole scenery um, changed. Um, once they got back racing in Singapore, um, there was a real shortage of jockeys right. and we'd sit there every Monday morning trying to find a jockey to ride our horse horses and we were really struggling until the point where I was still light <laughs> yeah. and I was still riding track work. I didn't really miss a day's track work when I was an assistant trainer and I just said to Daniel, this is ridiculous. Like I think I probably could be pretty competitive out there. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go and ask for my licence back. And he supported it. And John Davidson, who was a chief steward up there, he supported it. And um, yeah, we, we got back. I was back within a couple of months yeah. uh, of um, of applying. So uh and then it it, it was uh, it was unbelievable the next two years what what um, we, we achieved. Yeah. We were very fortunate. We, we got two good horses came through. Limbs Lightning was horse of the year the first year I was back. And then Lim's Kosciuszko was a horse of the year the second year I come back. So um, I was very fortunate to come back at a really, really good time too.
0: Yeah. And what's what are the differences between, say, Singapore racing, Australian racing and, and Hong Kong racing? Um, is it is it quite a lot smaller there and the, the overall sort of industry, do you feel, or is it still pretty big and –
1: yeah, so it was obviously well documented. Singapore was going kind to of finish yeah. October next uh, October this year. Um, it's changed a hell of a lot. Like when I went up there in two thousand and seven, it was like Disneyland. Yeah, it was. I I couldn't believe what I walked into. Um, it was so far ahead of anything I had experienced in Australia um, in terms of monetary wise and and just atmosphere mm-hmm. and and it was just was as I said it was like Disneyland. Um, Hong Kong's probably at that point now, yeah. um, and whatever happened with Singapore, it just it just started to lose itself, and to a point where now we see it's closing down. Um, it's very different to Australian Asian racing is very different to Australian racing within the, I think ownership and participant group. It's it's just all about gambling. Yeah. Um whereas Australia it's you have the gambling side of it which is really healthy at the moment mm. and and funding our industry and and making it thrive. Um but there's still that social aspect with racing here mm-hmm. and people do still do it for fun or or the social aspect. With it Singapore or Hong Kong I would I don't think so much like um it's or it's a business. Yeah. Uh, people especially Singapore owners invest ...in horse racing to make money. Mm. Um, there's no fun about it. It's you either make money or yeah, move the horse on... ...or, or yeah, move to the next thing that they can make money at. Did you ride in Hong Kong much? I'd done a three month stint there uh, 2003. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually did get a licence for the next year... ...but I, I knocked it back which... ...whether it was the right decision or wrong decision... ...we never know. It was a, yeah. one of those sliding door moments... And um, I did – before I went back to Singapore in 2007, I did apply to um, to go back to Hong Kong but I pretty much got the no thank you, um, yeah. you had your chance. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: And the decision to come back to Australia um, just recently, was it in any way – Yeah. what was the decision making behind that?
1: Oh, that was once again probably a COVID-driven um, reason when, when Singapore shut down and as, and as Australia shut down and the world shut down, I've never felt so far away from home. Really? Like I, I felt really isolated, even though like I have my wife and children there with me. But um, to be so far away from um, mum and dad and, and the girls and my brother and, and the rest of the family and friends, um, yeah, it was a real reality hit. Mm-hmm. So um, my wife, she had lost her parents um, – of a couple of years before COVID, and we had spoke about coming back to Australia, and so when COVID hit, we like you always say, had those big talks about it, and we said once the world got back to normal, um, we'd come back to Australia and, and have a go.
0: And did you know you'd you'd ride when you got back?
1: Yeah, I was definitely going to ride. Yeah. Um, but it, I just wanted to, I, I didn't know how it would go. I'd been away for fifteen years, so. I thought everyone would have forgot me, you know. Like yeah. I, I was pretty much think I was going to start again. Yeah. So all I wanted to do was just come back and be competitive. So how the last 12 months has turned out has been very humbling and, yeah. and really, really satisfying. Yeah, brilliant. So why don't we go right back to the start?
0: And I know that Frankie Dettori was a big inspiration for you when you first started writing. What, what year was it when you did your apprenticeship and got going?
1: Yeah, so I started down in the bush, I think it was about 92. Yeah. Yeah, so um, – and then I was only 12 months and then I moved to moved to Sydney. Yeah. And uh, I, was an Graham I actually done a stint in Melbourne first. I'd done three months with uh, the Freedmans. That didn't go so well. Yeah. But, um, and they would have been airborne at the time, right? They, they were. And it was yeah. two. It was I, I, – you go to the – what you're thinking is the best stable yeah. in, in Australia – but there wasn't really a room for a, an apprentice there because they just had elite horses yeah. that weren't sort of running in the races where probably apprentices were best placed. And
0: who were the who were the stable jockeys? Uh, uh,
1: Damien was Damien yeah. Oliver was was a stable jockey, um, but yeah, they just probably they were just too big and too good for me at my ex- stage of experience mm. and and level. So. Yeah, I couldn't sort of get going there. Mm. Um, I actually rode a few winners in Melbourne, but it was more for the Hayes. But David Hayes was the trainer then. And I, I, David, they sort of kept me going, kept my name going because they gave me probably more rides than the Freedmans and I rode more winners for them. So it was quite funny because they were the main opposition. So um, I think David probably got a, pro, a lot of joy out of actually giving Friedman's apprentice um, yeah. more winners than them. But... It wasn't working. I didn't think it was working in Melbourne. So I came home for a little bit and then I come up to Sydney who I'd already knew Graham… Um, …because before I went to Melbourne I came up to Rose Hill and I rode a double for him… …before I went to Melbourne. So he was pretty keen to get me up. So um, I come up to um, Graham and, and Sydney, I really clicked with Sydney. Sydney yeah. was, was good. I had a, I wasn't a, a, like a a, good, a real good apprentice but I outride my claim. Mm. Um, like country, provincial, city of claim. So I think back in that day it was a, a pretty um, good goal, you know. Like you see these kids doing what they're doing now. Um, they, uh, they ride their claims in the city like within a, in a year or two. But mm. um, that, that was hard to do back in those days. Like I, that was – if you outrode your claim you were going pretty good. So um, I was able to do that and then be able to sort of – going to the, the senior ranks after a lot of hard work mm. and, um, yeah, carved out a not a bad career.
0: And was Frankie Dottori, so was he sort of ascending to the top of the game then and, and did you watch him a lot and his style and whatnot to improve your own style?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, going back to Frankie, I was, when I finished my apprenticeship, I was pretty much ready to come out. I Graham um, had monopolised in the Hong Kong Bowl and he took me over to ride him work and so I was riding in work, and that was pretty much my first sort of um, uh, where I seen Frankie. And I was always a big fan of American racing there, mm-hmm. and I love their styles, the American jockeys. And when I seen Frankie, he was like the mix. He was like, uh, he had the European style, but when he pushed him out, he went like American. So, mm-hmm. like Americans in the run, they get a bit loose, but when they start to push him out, they get tight and aerodynamic. Frankie just looked a part of the horse from the time he left the gates and I thought, wow, this looks next level. Yeah. Is I've nothing like I've seen before. So when I come back home, I just tried to like, um, I used to go down to the like, you never had the internet. So I used to go down to the local saddlery and go through their catalogue and Easy. order videos. Yeah. And like, I've got a video of Frankie's as the magnificent seven when he won the seven races. And I got these old, Starly videos of when he used to ride, also like Fantastic Light and yeah. all those champions that he rode. And I used to like just try and, um, yeah, work on a style that was similar. So um, it was pretty different. It was like when I, I think that's it helped me a little bit when I rode because I always had a bit of a, a, um, Stigma against me that I was a bit soft on mm-hmm. them, but when I started to change my style, I I went to the toe in and real pumping style. I I, I did look different, mm-hmm. uh, in in a, in a finish to a mm-hmm. lot of the Aussie jockeys. So I think it actually helped me a little bit to put me out there, out there.
0: And is yeah. that the style that pretty much all the top jockeys ride in now? That it's a really to aggressive toe in. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah it seems to be. And it's, I think it's very effective. It's. Um, you get your weight more over the horse's wither. it's easier for the horse to carry, um, you stay more balanced and, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a more effective style than just the banging and crashing.
0: Yeah, and did you manage to speak to Frankie way back in the day when you were at that Hong Kong meeting?
1: Not at that Hong Kong meeting but um, over the years, our paths across crossed at different yeah. things. Like you used to come up to the Singapore International uh-huh. meetings and yeah. um, there's just been little times when, when you did get to um, – have a chat to him, like in the jockeys' room. He's always a very, he's like pretty approachable sort of yeah. a guy, and like not that I ever got to know him well or anything, but you always got to know him to say hello. And and when he recognised that you're at different meetings and that, mm. um, yeah, like he's always say hello, and you could have a brief chat. He's a pretty approachable fella.
0: Yeah, nice. So I want to have a little bit of a talk about history repeating itself, and the first part to talk about is you mentioned that you rode for David Hayes, you know, way back. Basically, 30 years ago or whatnot. And I presume at that stage, the baton had been passed from Colin Hayes to David Hayes. And we fast forward 30 years now, and the same thing's happening with David Hayes handing it over to his four children. Yeah. What was it like with David then? Um, Do you see a lot of similarities in what's happening now?
1: Yeah. So, well, I think when Colin handed over the baton to David, like the stable was much premier stable in Australia. Mm. Like they, they had s- superstars. Like um, they, were, they were coming off with... Better loosen up. Better loosen like, up, yeah. up yeah. yeah. Cox plates and yeah. stuff like that. So I think the boys, I've like admired them from afar. Like I don't know whether they had the same like Passover, you know. Like yeah. their stable might have been a bit down... Mm. ...like on what previous history was. So... For what the boys have done, I've, I, as I said, I've really admired them from afar. They've really uh, built their stable up. Mm. They've had Brightside do what he's done, yeah. and, um, and they won a blue diamond last year. Yeah. And um, they seem to be going along all guns blazing. So, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to see what they can do because I think they're only going to get better and stronger. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it'll be exciting to see what they can do the next few years, the yeah. boys.
0: There was a piece of content that dropped last week. It was just a little short grab from Ladbrokes and it was talking to David Hayes about succession and the boys and whatnot and he was quite candid. He said that. He said to the boys, you've got 18 months to get this thing going otherwise we're going to have to bring in other people to keep Lindsay Park going. Yeah. And I think they're about 12 months into that stint and they've exceeded you know, the expectations of David and other yeah, shareholders in Lindsay Park. Yeah. So they're doing well. But um, I'm actually lucky enough to be going down to Euroa next week yeah. um, to do a podcast. So That'll, okay. that'll be brilliant.
1: Yeah, well, they, I've never been to your but they say it's next level, the, yeah. um, the training facility. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy the day. Yeah, you'll be able to see it. We'll, we'll yeah. make some
0: great content out of it. Okay. So the other history repeating thing is Darren Biedman and James McDonald. We're going to have a good chat about Darren Biedman when he was at his peak in sort of the, you know, 04, 05, 06. I mean, Biedman's been at the, was the top for a lot of... A lot longer than that but we'll just sort of look at that period because of course one of the most famous stories in australian racing history is when you spoil the parties everybody says in the queen elizabeth stakes and we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into the lonro grand Army thing but before we do that you look at J mac at the moment and you know he dominates he's the one of the best jockeys in the world arguably the best yeah. certainly you know is at the top of the tree in australia at the moment everyone's sort of chasing him And when people discuss him, they say that the last time someone who dominated the game, like J-Mac does now, was Beban. And you're in the privileged position that you've ridden at the top against both of them. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the differences and similarities between them.
1: Yeah, I I think the similarities is that it doesn't matter whether they're at, Gosford on a Thursday, Canterbury Wednesday or Randwick Sunday or Group 1, they're – they give their horse every chance. Mm. Darren was 100% the best I've rode against. Yeah? Yeah. I, I think he was at uh, hold. He was, he was just better than, than everyone else that was riding at the time. You know, there was great jockeys. Like, the, mm-hmm. when in that era, the jockey's room was so strong, as it is today. It's very strong. But... Darren was just had something different about him. Mm-hmm. And I think it was his hunger. Mm-hmm. He wanted to win every race. Mm-hmm. And I see that in James too. He was like there's no um he's he's just there to win. He he doesn't want to get beaten in anything. So I think that's the similarity. Um probably there's not a lot of difference. I think um uh I think Darren probably rides A bit more He rode a bit more Off the cuff Mm -hmm. I think um, James is I I love watching James In that He gives every horse No excuse Mm -hmm. Like You see King of Sparta Yesterday I was just about to say that It was such an interesting ride. Like It was Because like There was a chance After 200 metres That he could have been On the fence And next minute Yeah Five back the rail And good luck But he just Stayed off the rail Next minute He's free wide run in line and gets himself to the middle of the track in clear air. Mm. So he gave that horse absolutely no excuse. And you see him ride those sort of races time and time again. Like the amount of times he swings into the straight with nothing in front of him Mm. is more than, more than not. So he gives his horse um, absolutely no excuse. Uh, And that's why I think he's, he's just dominating where he's at at the moment. So I think um, you probably did see Darren a bit more, carving through the field and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of doing a, a few th- sort of more things like that didn't – he he left a th- few things more to chance. But, yeah, I think probably if there was a difference, James rides more uh, percentages rather, yes. than, rather than Darren did, yeah.
0: And so you say Darren's the best that you rode against and just in terms of actual being in the race, what are the, the, the things that he did and the techniques that he did that set him apart because it's very hard for us punters to see that and feel that because we just see it on TV and it's all quite robotic, robotic yeah, and automatic. Probably,
1: probably the best horseman jockey that I've ever seen. Probably Blake. That's got that I would say is close to or or very similar would be Huey. Yep. Huey. I think he's a real horseman jockey, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Darren was was I've never never seen a horse Darren have trouble with a horse. So like when you say horsemen,
0: that means that they, for some reason, the horses just relate to them better, relax to them, relax for them better. You just could ride anything. Just get on with them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you probably could ride a, some of that bark, some of that like just done things. Hang. You know, you never seen D- Darren have difficulty, any mm-hmm. difficulty with a horse, and I think Huey probably a little bit similar with that. Um, but yeah, Darren could. You you didn't see Darren very. He read a race really well. Very. Rarely see him get checked. Mm. Very rarely see him get put in a position where he got um, – he was unlucky. Mm. Um, yeah, just read the play really well and just read, read his horse
0: really well. Yeah. And do you catch up with him much these days? He seems as though he's very happy in life. He's obviously um, working for Godolphin and, and, and whatnot. Do you, do you manage to catch up with him? I oh, just –
1: yeah, your path's might cross at the race meeting yeah. because obviously I'm, I'm down home and you don't get up here – you only get up here when for the race meetings but – I have caught up with him a couple of times, and, and as you say, he seems very happy yeah. in himself. Um, and like, what a addition to Godolphin he is. Yeah. Like, imagine having him as, mm-hmm. you, as your sort of right-hand man, Darren. Like, I, I couldn't think, like, Darren, he could, I, I think he could be a trainer in his own right and be mm-hmm. hugely successful because of that horseman aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd read horses really well. And, um, he, he'd just know the industry inside out yeah. that um, he, he could be a successful trainer in his own right, as I said, but to have him as your right-hand man, mm. like, yeah, what I'm an sure asset. James likes having
0: him. I would yeah. imagine so. Yeah. So, why don't we get into it? Let's, let's go back. I think it's 2004 this all happened. Is that right? 2004 was when you wrote Grand Army yes. to Yeah. Yeah. So, we've also got to set the scene. So, back in 2004, the corporate bookies were starting to take over the landscape. And we had Sporting Bet run by Michael Sullivan and it was quite famous at the time. He came out in the press and said, this pun has pl- plonked a million dollars on Lonro in the Australian Cup and it was, you know, great theatre and a great headline for the Daily Telegraph and all the other newspapers to put put out there. And you can see it up on the TV there. So obviously Grand Army was wasn't in the Australian Cup, was it? No. No. So I want to sort of get everyone to get an understanding of how good Lonro was and, and how well it was going. I mean, it, yeah. it you know, won so many races before this but it went in the Australian Cup at a dollar 60 and let's Let's watch watch the finishing stages of the Australian Cup because this Chavo is, is a very famous fantastic. run as, as well. Yeah, so you can see Lonro in, in the series there, of course, of trying, trying to poke through, through and get a run. Lonero. Sound Action tries to pocket him, Bateman in a bit of trouble,
1: trying to force through. He got checked, the champ, and Sound Action hit the front now. From Mummified Lonro, the champion's in desperate trouble. Del has gone past him. 150 to go. He's got to the outside. Del in front. The crowd roaring. Go, Lonro, go! But the three-year-olds in front and that's gonna that's win. probably
0: the perfect example of what you're talking about—those deft hands and that horsemanship. Yeah, horsemanship you know. yeah, so, so there's no doubt in your mind. Not many other jockeys in the world would have got Lonro home that time. Probably not. No. Yeah, it's
1: yeah, probably not. Like like I said, Darren he didn't didn't lose his um, coolness at at all. Like he still kept that horse balanced and just kept him going forward as as much as he could, and and then. Like, did he even hit him with the whip? Well, there's famous yeah. – like, Darren he won two Melbourne Cubs and never pulled the whip. Really? Yeah. So wow, that's something
0: I didn't know. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about where you were at that time with Grand Army and had you, how, how many times did you ridden Grant? can you remember back then – So. After this start, Lonro goes to the George Ryder yep. and you're on Grand Army and the George Ryder. Yeah. But Grand Army had won a
1: Doncaster by then, hadn't it? Yeah. So Grand Army's history, I, the, the Doncaster was the first time I rode him. Yep. Um, Lenny Beasley rode him all his first preparation and he came back and then Jimmy was riding him and that was when he started to run in the better races. And Jimmy won the, um, I think it was the Ajax, I think it's like the week before the Doncaster. hmm and that got him into the Doncaster, and for whatever reason, he didn't want to ride him in the Doncaster. He he only had fifty one and a half, but Jimmy could ride those yeah. weights if he. But he maybe just needed a bit more time. He he thought he didn't have enough time, but anyway, history says that I rode him and he didn't. Yeah. And um, he was super. He he smashed him in the Doncaster. And ironically, Lonro was in was in that Doncaster. Right. Uh, Is this O three or O four? That was 03. 03, Yes. Yeah. So then. He ran in the spring and Jimmy got back Jim, – Jimmy rode him all through the spring and he never won. Right. And then he came back in the autumn and I'm pretty sure this is right. Gay, she took him down and ran him in the Newmarket uh-huh. and Danny Nikolik rode him. And he yeah. ran terrible, he ran last. And Then she brought him back and ran him in the George Rider. Lonro beat him, beat him for round square. It was too – just sat off. Like I think I was running third or fourth in the George Ryder – Lonro sat back.
0: Is this the 03 George Ryder or the 04? 04. 04, 04 should, we, should we watch it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll bring it up. So yep. we'll keep rolling. And in uh, this punter who had a million dollars on Lonro in the Australian Cup, so he wins yep. there, he comes back out again, he has $2 million on Lonro in the George Ryder. George Ryder, yeah. And as you said, um, you know, you were riding Grand me this day, and feel free to talk as much as you want over the top of this race because I think this is um, – Hugely a hugely interesting race, and I'm sure it yeah. hatched your plan for the for the Queen Elizabeth.
1: Yeah. So it's like as we said, like um, Lonro coming off two thousand meter Australian Cup. Yep. And Grand Army's coming out of a twelve hundred meter Newmarket yep. where he ran terribly, He ran last. So then they meet fifteen hundred um, George Ryder. So as I said, oh, I had a pretty good run this day and had a pretty easy run, so I bring him out. But as we'll see soon, like Lonro runs past him very easily yeah. beats him beats him easily so he's as you said how it sort of worked out later on we worked out Lonroe's just had a, a lot better turn of foot than yeah. than what um hearted me so if any race where they were going to get in a sit and sprint uh, Lonro was probably going to beat him every time so another aspect of this race his private Steers is there running third. So Grand Army's next run after the George Ryder was he went and ran in a second Doncaster. Yes. And, and that was private steer's famous Doncaster. He was home for all money, Grand, Grand Army. Grand Army. And you rode him? Yeah, I yeah. rode him. Yeah. And I shot at at the furlong. I was about three in front. And then next minute private steer came from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. It was like one of the most amazing wins you see. Like yeah. when you went back and watched you go – how did it win? Like yeah. it got knocked down. He's getting checked, running up bums. And next minute, he just got this bloody um, gap, and it, it when it it just was like launched out of a gun. And, and it, you thought you thought you were home on Grand Army. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah I, I two dog believe. passes in a row would have been pretty good. Yeah, it would have yeah. been pretty good. Yeah. 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 So that was his run. Then into the Queen Elizabeth.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to keep going the Queen Elizabeth, but first up, we need to stay with a punter who had. One million followed by two million. So he's now had five million on Lonroe. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it was it was quite yeah, a big story, wasn't it? It was, it yeah. was.
1: It created it created the race. Yeah. Like it was it was um it gave the race something else. Yeah. A different aspect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Lawnro was a dollar twenty and because you had um obviously run incredibly well in the Doncaster and you were very competitive in the George Ryder, pretty sure you were second favourite like let's say, you know, five yeah. or six dollars or something like that. But in in the week beforehand, it was a huge it was a huge day because Lonro was retiring, mm. and he was a very very famous horse. was great for racing, and it was a huge party out at Randwick. Yeah. Um. So what happened in the week before with you and Gay and Alan Bell, the owner?
1: Yeah. So it was like you said, it was all about Lonro that day. You walked into Randwick, just everyone had the Lonro caps. It was a mm-hmm. sea of cerise, and um. But we worked out, like just talking to Gay during the week, as pretty much we, what, we, what I just said, we were never going to beat him at a sit-and-sprint. Mm-hmm. So we had to work out a way where our finishing sectionals were going to be the best part of the race and hopefully draw him out. Yes. So it was a small field. It looked pretty straightforward on paper that I was going to be the leader. Yes. And it was a little bit of a risk in that the big horse he had never led before, so we didn't know how he'd react. But we thought if he got out in front bowling by himself, he'd yeah. probably relax pretty well and just like treat it like a piece of track work. Yeah. Why don't I stop d- you and I'll start
0: yeah. it. We're going to watch the whole race, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, and you can just sort of talk as you, as you go. Are you ready to go, Trill? Loner standing there beautifully,
1: like an old gentleman. Racing.
0: Fantastic. Right, so away you go and straight away you get really proactive, obviously.
1: Yeah, so as I said, on paper, he looked like he was definitely going to be the leader. So yeah, Gage, just said, you know, go out there, let him enjoy it, and if you can get a real easy first half of the race, you said get going on him. Like mm. don't don't wait for Lonro to get up on your back. So as we can see, like he's dead set, fricked his ears. He's a dead set. Looks like he's going to even time. And what are, you start, a,
0: are you, what are you thinking here? Are you going, this is all going beautifully? Beautiful, yeah. yeah.
1: Couldn't have been happier. So um, it's, uh, yeah, as I said, the old horse, he, he just thought he was out for a track gallop. And he used to work on the course proper a lot. Yeah. Um, so he really knew where he was going. He loved Ramwick, And um, as I said, the first half of the race, off dead set, done absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I uh, had gays words ringing in my ears, she said like if you've done no work, don't be waiting for him. Yeah, so, so can you, uh, when does that moment happen when you go? So not far from now so from about the thousand I just started to let him let him increase. Yeah, And you can um, see you
0: just give him a bit of rain there don't yeah, you? Yeah,
1: yeah and um, and the track was a bit off so we had to come out the middle and get to the outside and he just kept picking up and and as we said was like we wanted to make sure our Final last 800 was like a lot quicker than our first 800 type mm-hmm. of thing, so not allowed to long row get into the race, and I think just numbers wise it proved impossible for him to pick us So
0: Beeman's getting going on long row here. Can you hear him talking to long row and trying to get long row going? Like would Beeman do that? Would he yell I could at long hear row? the crowd. Yeah, the
1: crowd was gone mental. Look that at the was, crowd now. Yeah, that's uh, so. And I knew it was...
0: when did you think you were home?
1: Uh, like, oh, I...
0: here he's coming at you hard, and then you just find that extra little kick right now.
1: Yeah, he did. I didn't really um think I was home maybe to about now because uh-huh. uh, as I said, the crowd was the crowd was huge and yeah. they were going mental, and cause he was going, they were going so loud so loud, I thought he was really coming at me yeah. um but then probably a hundred out you, you've maybe noticed a little bit of a dull in the crowd, yeah. <laughs> and then it, then it was evident that his run had finished and um yeah, it was pretty surreal coming back. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't the most popular win. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and did you think you were a, a real chance before the race? Did you think you could win it?
1: If the race worked out. Yeah. Yeah, if the race worked out. And you couldn't have – it couldn't have happened any better, you know. Like no one else put pressure on me in the lead like the, the, the other runners. And um, – so when we got down to that 1,000 and I just had a lot of confidence in the horse too and yeah. as I said, he thought he was out there having a piece of work. So once he got mobile yeah. and like as we've seen through his out his career, he was a pretty special horse, granted yeah. to me. Like he either won or when he got beat, he got beaten by a champion. Sure. He got beat by Lonro or Private Steer or yeah. Um, MacLyby Diva yes. beat him in a BMW, which yeah. was arguably one of his best runs yeah. of his life. So, and did you ride him in that race? I rode him in that race. Or was yeah. the like riding against McIvie Diva? Oh, uh, was in you know, she was a freak, like yeah. a mile and a half on, or she won a Cox plate, so we can't say a mile and a half. So, can mile you just a quarter.
0: remind me when she beat you in the BMW? Where was she at in her career? She, she, uh, she won a Melbourne Cup already? I think obviously. she had won a Melbourne Cup, yeah, yeah she must have, yeah, yeah, I
1: think she had. Um, we were a bit unlucky, like. It's 2,400 was out of his wheelhouse, grand army. Um, I shouldn't say unlucky, but we got taken on. I led yep. on him and Shane Dye was on a thing, a Kiwi horse, bloody 100 to 1. Right. He come and sat right outside me <laughs> and just kept pushing me on. Yeah. And I was just going half a second too quick all the way and I knew it in myself. I was going, I'm just going a bit strong here. And... Um, he, he dropped off at the top of the straight and left me in front. And I probably shot. I was probably four or five in front at the furlong. Yeah. But the, the mare was – she's bossy, just a free. Bossy on the mare, yeah. Yeah, he got me a few times, bossy like that. He got me private steer and, yeah. and got me on the Kyby D-Rod that day. And um, I think it was another BMW um, on uh, – he won on Ehrman and I was on Aquidamore. And he, he got me similar circumstances. So, yeah, he got me a few times. Uh, dropping on me late yeah. yeah and so just back to
0: the Queen Elizabeth Darren Biedman's demeanor after the race do you remember did you catch a look at him how was he feeling and and stuff
1: yeah it was a pretty solemn whole atmosphere and I remember when we come back to the when we were doing the presentation um Gay said to me don't make too much of this okay. just play it play it a bit um you know yeah so um yeah that's what we did why do yeah. you
0: think that why do you think gay had that attitude
1: oh gays forever the racing is a best interest yeah. she's a remarkable lady like she what she's done for the racing industry in through her career oh, like she, I've never seen anyone else mm. give as much back and I think she's always had ...racing at the forefront, what's best for racing... Mm. ...and um, probably people don't see that... Uh, they, ...they think she's like all about her business... ...which she, she is of course... Mm. ...but she does put racing... ...she wants racing to be um, on the front page of the papers. And I think the thing about
0: Gay too is... ...the less important you are in racing more important you are to gay oh most definitely you know like she yeah she'll most if definitely. there's a kid or anyone anyone shows any, anyone if anyone walks up to gay water so the races, doesn't matter who they are yeah she'll give them all the time in the world as much time as well she'd give to like Sheikh Muhammad or something like yeah that, you know which is a, which is a strength and something that you know we
1: can all sort of copy and, and uh and emulate most definitely it doesn't matter where you are yeah. in on the tree within yeah. her stable she treats everyone the same yeah. and that's something that um i've tried to like do myself you know like Everyone was born equal. You all come in the same way. We all go out the same way. So, um, in life, it's how people treat you and thing. And and gays like that. I've just got enough about admiration for you. So, I
0: want to have a good chat about gay, but firstly, we just need to recognise old mate who lost the five million on one yeah, did, did it ever occur to you, like, did you think later in the day or when, when was the first time you thought, oh, yeah, that bloke lost five million or did you just never
1: think about yeah, it? Yeah, I think a couple of the boys said to me when I come back, I said, yeah, where's your mate hanging over the fence or something? <laughs> and I said, to no, this day, I don't know if anyone ever knew his identity. Did yeah, they? so I,
0: I, I read, look, there's a bit of... People say, oh, it was just a publicity stunt by Sporting Bet. Yep. But apparently it was verified. They sent their ledger in and the bets did happen and stuff, yeah. which is good because I don't want it to be a false story. So apparently it happened. It was a businessman overseas. And, oh, okay. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at that period, Gay won the premiership. You know, Tulloch Lodge was completely dominant. First thing I want to ask is, did you have much to do with Rob Waterhouse? Did he? Did he help with, you know, form and that kind of stuff? With you, did you ever talk to him about how to ride horses and that? No, not at all.
1: Right. Um, you'd, Rob, I think Rob had um, like Gay. When you um, spoke to Gay before the races, she'd always um, quote maybe the market like a bit. She'd say, "Oh, Rob's got this horse, um, second favorite, or, yes. or whatever that." And, and mainly not really to me mm. or to to the jockeys, but to the other to the owners yes. and just to give them a bit of insight on where they where they stood. So maybe obviously. Gay and Rob, maybe discuss the form a bit, mm-hmm. but not to the jockeys. No, it yeah. was all gay. Yeah, yeah. gay, it was all, um, and their instructions were all pretty much the same. Yeah. You'd get them out first out and get them up there.
0: And so it was an incredibly competitive time to be a jockey for gay then. How did you find it trying to get rides for her because she had the best horses? Yeah.
1: Um, it was tough. It was a tough school. Like um, you had to earn your rides, mm-hmm. um, you had to be at the track every morning. And there was probably four or five of us all fighting for him, you know. Like there was Chrissy Marns, Brian York, um, Jimmy Cassidy. And then you'd get – Glenn would come in. They were bossy, you know. Um, Yeah, there was plenty of names always sort of – there was sort of your regulars, regulars, Mm. but there was always someone also trying to get in also. So um, it was good for me because I never ever felt I was – number one there i was always felt like i was probably third or fourth in line so i was always fighting um but it it, i think it really helped me because it it made me give me the drive to i wanted to be a number one yeah and and so it made me drive to try and to think and i think it helped my career it made made me to what give me the success of what i had
0: and so to get some of the great rides in the waterhouse stable what was expected of you
1: Oh, work! Your work yeah. ethic. Gay had an unbelievable work ethic, and I think she just expected that from you. So you had to be able the track every morning. It didn't matter whether it was Monday or, or Saturday if you yeah. had races wherever she she expected you to be there. And and it wasn't hard. It was like you're there at four, but you're gone by six. Yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't a it wasn't a big big commitment. Yeah. Um. But she, there was work to be done, it, and she expected. Your help, and if you were going to get the reward. So, um, the the tricky part was um, if you found one in the morning, was trying to keep it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a good ally there in Mark Newman. Yep. We were really good mates, and Mark rode for her at the provincials. So it was it was yeah, always um, if we found one a two year old coming through, mm. we'd always try and. ...be on it in their gallops so one of the other boys wouldn't ride it... ...and find out about it and try and get the ride, yeah. And when you say
0: you found one, what exactly do you find?
1: Like what is it about that two year old that you go, this thing, this thing can go? Oh, just their gallops, you know. You uh-huh. just you go out and the good ones always stood up. They had yeah. something different about them. Yeah, like um, I remember, uh, I, I remember Dance Hero. I was probably yeah. one of the first ones to gallop him... This was – it would have been like August before Breeders Plate and whatever. Yeah. And I remember um, I rode him on the bee grass and I think I've never come up with the bee grass so quick and for wow. long I thought, this is a machine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately I That's wasn't it. able to hide him from Chrissy. And, yeah. Uh, and Chrissy was – was he was a ripper. Like, he, geez, he could get under your guard. He yeah. just had the gift of the gab. And, yeah, yeah he was a lot better at um, getting the rides than me. Yeah, he was better off, off the track than me.
0: And at the time, John Singleton had a lot of horses with Gay, and you did a lot of riding for John Singleton,
1: yeah? Yeah, so we sort of had a pretty much uh, unofficial agreement that I rode all these horses, type mm-hmm. of thing, John. I was never, people always said I was retained by him, but I was never on a retainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just, um, he seemed, it was funny, he's at Rose Hill Trials one morning, and um, he's complaining that um, he's always changing jockeys. And I said, well, why don't you give me a go? I'll ride your horses. And uh, and one, that was one thing I was – I really enjoyed riding for a stable. Yeah. And I really – so I really enjoyed riding for an owner too. To, so loyalty mm-hmm. um, because I thought if I was loyal, I'd get that loyalty back. So that's mm-hmm. something I've always enjoyed and held through my career. Um, so he did. So pretty much he told – he had a – horses everywhere. He had horses with Gay, he had horses with Clary, yep. um, Friedman's in Melbourne, uh, Tony Wildman who sadly passed away but he had a few horses. So, um, yeah, I just used to ride ride all of them and I pretty much just had told my manager if if one of John's um, first choice, which it worked out really well. Like we had a good success, mm. one of Magic Millions for, for John – when he was still involved with Magic Millions, so yep. that was a that was a huge highlight. Yeah, which horse was that? Mirror uh, Mirror. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she that was about two thousand and five or six. Yeah, um, but it was it was funny. Like it it um it always never really sat well with Gay. That always right. he he was <laughs> sort of retained, right? Because she liked to put on who she yeah. wanted to put on, and so it sort of finished me and gay before i went to singapore i didn't probably i probably finished up with gay about 6 months before i left for singapore and um it was pretty much because of that reason yeah. um i was right and tuesday joy had just started and i won the wakeful honor in the spring yeah. and she ran second to miss finland in the oaks in in melbourne and then she came back in the autumn and um she won the Coolmore, but I didn't ride her. I rode Fashions of Field, who was mm. John's other good filly, yeah. and I'd won two Group Ones on Fashions A Field, so mm. I felt a bit obliged and to ride her. That was
0: one the first boom reduced choice horses, wasn't yeah, it? That was when Reduit's was. was warming up. And yeah, yeah. And I felt a
1: bit. I had won two Group Ones on her, so I felt I thought Tuesday Joy was better ride, but I felt a bit obliged to ride Fashions of Field because she had was so good to me. Yeah. And Tuesday Joy hadn't done it as yet, and anyway, Tuesday Joy beat her in the Coolmore. And then I rode her in the – there was a 2,000 metre Phillies race at, at um, Rose Hill. Miss Finland was in it. And I remember there was no speed in the race and I wanted to lead on her. And Gay was adamant, don't lead on her because there was this wind, headwind down the back. She said, you can't lead and win. And so I've tried to get cover on it and it's pulled its head off. I've rode it. Rode her terribly. Yeah. Miss she's ran fourth. Miss Lynn, Miss Finland sat back last, ran over the top and won. Yeah, right. From that time, the waters started to get unsettled. Yeah. So then I started to feel pressure, yes. and um, I rode her in the Derby. She ran third in the Derby, ran good. Everything was was okay, but then come the Oaks, and um, they were going to take me off her, mm-hmm. and pretty much. I pleaded with John. I rang John. I said, don't take me off this filly. I'll get the job done for you. I'll get the job done. And um, so I rode her in the Oaks and I just stuffed it up. Yeah. I just – I wasn't – I probably should just let it go and, and gave the ride to someone else. But right. I rode it, um, pressure, too much pressure, and yeah. it just got to me. And I really stuffed up. I slaughtered her. Yeah, And she ran third, but beaten by horses that were not as good of her. And um, I remember – that night I rang him up and I apologised to him. and He said, "Mate, he said you need a change of you need a change of team and captain, yeah, uh, team and coach." And I said, "Yeah, you're probably right." And that day I still regret it um, because I didn't go and talk to Gay about it. Right, I just didn't go back. Yeah, and wow. uh, so after ten years of riding for her, um, I just left it at that. So I didn't handle it well, but. But Was there, did she sort of say to you, or you just knew you weren't going to get? Yeah, I just knew my time was done with her, I think. So, um, yeah, as it worked out, then I went to Singapore and thing, but to her credit, I came back in 2015, I didn't get licensed in Singapore, and I came back to Ramwick. And, um, Mark Newman was then foreman, and me Mm. and Mark were pretty close mates. And I said to him, do you reckon it'd be alright if I come out and ride some work? And I said, I'm not expecting any rides or anything... ...but do you reckon it'd be alright with Gay? And he said, she'll be fine. Mm. And to her credit, that day she made me feel so welcome... Mm. ...that it's like, it was like enough. there was, everything was forgotten. Yeah. And maybe I just overthought it yeah. too much, yeah. Maybe yeah. I overthought it too much.
0: And on Singo, what, you know, everyone knows him well... ...because he's a, you know, a huge public figure... But how involved did he get in talking to you about his horses and how to ride them and where to place them and all that? Was he on the phone to you a lot about it?
1: Uh, no, not not so much about uh, uh, planning or anything like yeah. that. But when they could win, yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to know if they could win or not, because yeah. he loved to bet. Yeah, um, so uh, he'd ring you every. Um, Time when one of them were running, yeah, and he just wanted to know if you thought it could win or not. Yeah. and he didn't care if he didn't, if he, if you thought it couldn't win, yeah. But if if you said it could win, then he'd go and have a bet. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's that's where it, what it was. Unreal. It was and to finish
0: off, Gay. So obviously she won the Magic Millions yesterday. What did you make of Storm Boy? He looks, he looks a superstar in the making. He's, Doesn't he, what? he? went I think he's like ten dollars into
1: four dollars for the slipper yeah. after yesterday. uh like. Gay's unbelievable. As I said, she's one of the greatest trainers that I've ever seen, greatest advertisement for racing. Um, but And when she gets a colt like this, mm. she just turns him into a monster. Yeah. Oh, those big, tough colts. We've seen it for years and years, yeah. and years and years. You're assertive lads and things yeah. like that. When Piero, like they say, when she gets a colt with a temperament and big and strong, like this, what this colt can do is mm-hmm. like, wouldn't you love to be riding him I've, yeah. And it's so great for Adam. Ad, Adam is—he's a, a champion, like one of the nicest guys you'll yeah. meet. And he's had a had a tough run. He had to—he like got that bit of a, had a, that indiscrepancy holiday, there and yeah. holiday. Yeah. Um. But he's come back and like he's just come back flying. And yeah. um, I was so proud and happy to see what that yesterday. And I can't wait to see what their journey is. Yeah, you be interested to see year. what. What, well, you're a,
0: you're a trainer now. What would you be doing with Storm Boy in terms of lead up to the Golden Slipper? What, what do you think would be the best oh, path for
1: him now? Just seeing what Gay's done over the years. I would think she'd come back and run him probably in the Todman or something like that yeah. and just one run into the Slipper. Yeah. I think that's what she's normally done. Yeah. So I would imagine we'll see him again before the Slipper um, and then, yeah, I reckon just history says that she'd run him again. So, yeah, um, yeah she she's sort of one like... She followed the path that's that's worked. So yeah, yeah I, I reckon he'd probably you'd see him in the Todman or something like that. In, You've in won the a slipper. slipper, won a slipper on politics, Success, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. What is your best win? I think when anyone asks me what's the the race I remember the most, it's Grand Army's Doncaster. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I was apprentice at Randwick, mm. and you're there every day. And back in those days, the Doncaster was the race. The, it in the slipper. Yeah. So I, w- I was won, won the slipper and, and that was great, and um, was was I, I got beaten the year before on Victory Vane, and I thought I'd never get another opportunity, so to win it the next year was pretty special. and that was for Graham Rogerson, who always supported me a lot, but to win the Doncaster for gay, who, as I said, like I, I don't hold anyone else higher than what a hold, hold, hold gay. Um, so to win the Doncaster for her um was that was i i think that was the ultimate of my career yeah yeah, yeah.
0: um so you talked you, you sort of given us a bit of an idea as to why you went to singapore but what exactly made you decide in you know, 2007 2008 to head up there what what was the the main catalyst
1: equine influenza was that what it was was yeah. it right yeah, it's, yeah. Al- it's always these pandemics yeah pandemics epidemics yeah. That are, yeah. yeah. so um we got hit with the equine influenza and we didn't know when we were going to start racing again. Um, that previous, uh, I think it was April or May, I'd been up in Singapore for the international meeting. Yes. Um, I went and rode Bush Padre for um, the Freedmen's. And when I was up there, the chief steward was Peter Chadwick. And I knew Peter from my apprentice days. He was a sh- cadet steward down at Wagga. Mm-hmm. And um, he was the chief steward in Singapore. And he said to me, if I ever wanted to come up, there's always a, uh, position there so when econ influenza hit I rang your mother and said listen we I don't know when we're going to start racing again it could be a good time what could be available he said why don't you come up for three months I'll give you a three-month license and um so that's what I did so it was I think it was October um I was there a month and I couldn't wait to get my application in for the right. next year yeah. I, I just fell in love with the place yeah yeah yeah, as I said, like it was, it was like also Australia. outside
0: of racing, like the 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 vibe of the city and the culture of the city, yeah. was, was that as well?
1: Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it's it's a pretty special place. Yeah. it's very unique. Yeah, it's like I've I've one thing about being over there, you get the opportunity to travel a lot because you're so yeah. close to everything. Yeah, and I've never seen another country, another city like it yeah. in in my travels. Um, so felt pretty privileged to live there. And as I said, the racing, it was like stepping into Disneyland. Yeah. yeah. Two thousand seven. It was it was pumping. Yeah, pumping yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long did you think you'd
0: end up staying there for fifteen years when you got there? or was it just a- no.
1: I you wouldn't. I would never have imagined that. But just how life turned out. Um, I went up there. I was married when I went up there, but unfortunately, got I was divorced. Got divorced. It just, it, um, it was, it just Singapore sort of exposed a few sort of different things. Um, what was happening. ...in my life, so unfortunately we got divorced... ...but then a, a few years later I, I met a Singapore girl... Mm-hmm. ...and uh, who's my current wife now... Um, ...and we got married and had three kids up there. So, um, yeah, so that prolonged the the stay. I was always probably going to come home one day... Yeah, ...but um, yeah, yeah Family. Didn't, know, didn't know when. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so I want to talk about home life in Wagga a little bit later... ...but before we do that, so... You're um you're one of the best horse trainers in Australia because correct me if I'm wrong is your strike rate's like thirty three percent. Thirty three percent, that's yeah. pretty high.
1: Yeah, no, we'd be good if we could keep that. But, yeah. <laughs> we won't we won't worry like about the sample size. No no, 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 We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, thirty three percent. No, kicking along well.
0: Um, yeah, it's so a tropical breeze. You had your first first winner a few weeks back.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Friday week ago. Yeah, yeah, so and, and pretty pretty so you
0: special. rode rode it and it and it won. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, super exciting. So where's it all going, the training?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, when I first come back, as I said, I just was going to ride and and sort of see how it took me. I always had in the back of my mind. I would love to uh, have a go at training. Um, When, as said before, Mark Newman, we're pretty close mates, and when he went to Hong Kong or got the gig to Hong Kong, he just said to me, why don't you, uh, if you think you can handle it, why don't you have a go, pull out the dual licence if you're not ready to give up riding? He said, "I've got a couple there that uh, I can. You can. I'd be more than happy for you to take." And so I done that. And um, to be fair, it was a bit more challenging to get the license than I thought. I mm-hmm. thought it would be just turn up and you'd get the license, but uh, things have changed. Racing New South Wales. You got to fr- go through all these courses, and it was right. dead set like going back to school. Yeah. So um, we got through all that and got the license, and yeah, I got three on the books, and yeah. um, it's all going well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they're all there well, two of them are Mark's and one's David Loy's who David Loy was the owner of Shadow Hero. So yeah. um, they're all Mark connected. So um Mark bred and owns the Philly Tropical Breeze. And yes. um, yeah, she's she's got got a bit of ability, so that's yeah. exciting.
0: And you have to go She's at Wagga, is she? You've yeah. got some, So you got a very small stable at, at Wagga, do you?
1: Yeah, I've just got a couple of boxes in with Tim Donnelly. Yep. And I've known Tim for years. He was obviously um, at Randwick when I was apprentice mm. and he's a great trainer in his own right. He mm. trained quick, quick flick. Quick yeah. flick. Yeah, he's a great old horse and group one winner. Yeah. Um, so he, he's really good to bounce things off Tim. So I'm in there with him and, um, yeah, it works well.
0: Yeah. And is this a pathway to where things are going to end up for you in a professional sense?
1: Most most likely. Yeah. yeah. It's I think a few things have gotta work out. Um, like if there's uh if there's something that probably needs addressing in racing New South Wales, like racing in New South Wales is I, I think it's the best it's ever been. Like yes. you see people really doing well. Um, but I think there's probably just gotta be a little bit more money spent in infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh the training things and, and it's all good and said to go and build these great training complexes and and that which will will help the industry too but i think um don't forget about the country yeah. places you know like i think um like it's well documented mitch beer's uh progression to kembler and we're seeing what good things he's doing down at kembler yes. And it's hard not to say, well, Aubrey might have been holding him back a little bit mm. um, because Aubrey only got one sand track and, mm. and didn't have the really good facilities. And I was speaking to Mitch and he said he used to lay in bed some nights here in the rain and think, shit, I won't be able to work my horses tomorrow mm. where he doesn't have that problem at Kembla now, you know. So um, Aubrey's a great track. It's second biggest track in the SDRA. Like it probably should have better facilities. Wagga's the same. Wagga yeah. doesn't even have a swimming pool. For right. horses. Yeah. So, like, it's big, they're the two biggest tracks in, in our area. And I hear stories throughout the country in New South Wales where there's similar, similar circumstances. So whether it's the clubs have uh, got to put a bit a bit in themselves. I, like, you can't expect racing in New South Wales just to be a, a charity. Yeah. Um, so everyone's got to get on board and help each other. But I think if there's a bit more money spent in infrastructure in the country, mm. it will help help the industry no end. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah. they know that.
0: I'm sure they're mobilising to do that. Chris Lee said the same thing. He said yeah. that, you know, that's, that the prize money is brilliant but they need to start working on infrastructure now Yeah, because Victoria is not keeping up with prize money but apparently their infrastructure is incredible. Yeah, so they're playing yeah. the longer game rather yeah. than the shorter
1: game but um, I, I think the race has never been better. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So you're back home in Wagga now, and um, how is uh, how is life? Are you lucky enough that you've you know managed to find a pretty nice big family home for your kids to run a in and stuff. And is that one of the appealing things about Wagga that's such a different city to Singapore um, that you can uh, yeah just you know spread yourself out a bit more?
1: Yeah, it's very different. You know, like it's it's been a massive change. It's like just if you came back to Sydney or Melbourne, it would have been a big change. But to come back to Wagga, it's, it's been massive. So um, the convenience of everything is gone. But what you get back is just family and and lifestyle. In Wagga is a very unique place here. And it's very sport. Yes, um, massive sport. So you have big sporting communities. And once you get in a club, you feel like part of the family. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I remember when I was a kid, I played footy and played cricket and all that, and those memories will last yeah, forever. Yeah. And so hopefully that's what um, happens with my kids too, you know. Yeah. Like, so great place to grow up, great place to go to school, great place to get involved in sport and, and to live. So um, got a lot of good values down there. It's a pretty great place, yeah. And how
0: have the kids handle the change? Are they...
1: Two kids are of school age, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they've done really well. Um, oh, it's, Singapore's the school is really um, uh, learning uh, like very, uh, how you say, the pressure's on them to – you just go to school to learn. You don't go to school to have fun. It's very mm. um, full Regimented, on, yeah. Regimented, yeah. yeah. And, and you, actually you see that in their life, you know, like it's quite funny. It's a very serious city, Singapore, it isn't is, it? Their it is its Their life is serious, yeah. yeah. Their schooling's very regimented. Then when they finish school, they go to either uh, junior college or the boys go to national service. Yeah. Um, so everything's – they're pretty much told what to do from the day they start. And um, you see that in, in their life. When they get in the workforce, um, if the if the line's going straight, everything's good. If, yeah. if a problem comes up, it gets a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah so um, – yeah, it's a pretty unique place, but it's good that so the kids had that early part, which have have held them in good stead. But it's really been good to see them come to Australia and become a bit freer, and yeah. you're really seeing their personalities grow. I've yeah. really seen a big change in in their personalities, which has been really nice. And your wife, she's handled it okay. Yeah, yeah, she has a few challenges. Like yeah. she, it was always going to be the most difficult for yeah. her because she's Singapore born and bred, and um, always had that convenience. So, um, yeah, pretty proud of what she's been mm. able to put up with. And um, she had ac- actually wasn't a racing person at all, had no interest in racing. But since she's come home, she doesn't mind coming to the races. And um, yeah, she gets to a few meetings and started to take a bit of interest and actually build up a bit of knowledge about it. So yeah. she's, uh, yeah, it's gone along well.
0: Fantastic. And so, what does the future look like? Like, how many you sort of. Said earlier, it, you know, might not be riding for a whole lot longer. Have you set yourself a time frame of
1: when you might hang the saddle up forever? No, I, I sort of thought when I first thir- first come back, it'd probably be a twelve month sort of transition. But I, I didn't sort of expect the riding to go as well, or yeah. didn't expect for me to enjoy it as much. But I, I really do enjoy it. It's like um, I, I've said to new people numerous times that the jockeys room down in my area. It's probably the best jockeys' room I've ever rode in. Like, yeah. it's just really good community. Mm. Everyone gets on really well. We have a lot of fun. Don't stop laughing most of the day and um, cheering each other up. And mm. um, it's a really good environment. So I love going to the races. I can't. I'm always looking forward to the next one. And um, so yeah, I I, I I've, I've gone again for next year for mm. the for riding and. With the dual license, you can only hold it for three years. Right. So then I'll have to make a decision of, of what that that path. But it gives me plenty of time to, yeah. to really work out whether um, training's going to be a viable option. I, I, and if I go training, like it's not going to be half-hearted. I want to be pretty successful at it. Yes. It's something like when you've had the success in the game, in riding, you don't want to go back to just sort of going back to um, just winning races around... ...the bush type of thing. Like I, 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 there's not that there's anything wrong with that. You can still make money but um, I, I, would, I would like to think that I could be pretty successful at a, at a decent level. And so there's no way you'd leave racing, right?
0: Like whatever your career is post-riding, it'll be something in the, in the racing industry. Uh, yeah, I'm addicted
1: to it. It's yeah. like I, my earliest memories, my dad was a jockey... ...so I was pretty much born and raised on the racetrack. And I love racing just whether it's, I, I love, I love harness racing i love dog racing i I got a few dogs uh, in a partnership in a syndicate and we race a few dogs and um it's just so yeah i'm addicted to it and um i love all aspects of it like i've got a lot of interest i love i love the breeding aspect of it like i I love watching like the gambling aspect of it and um like i watch all your content and and i because you pick up different things that I think help you in your area yeah um like uh, i think from watching um a lot of the betting or listening to the betting stuff, it's made me analyze uh, my form and um like post race why mm. things why things went wrong because mm. I've always been one that um have have held the i've always if something hasn't won or hasn't gone right, I always look at myself first like I always always think. Did I ride it well, or did I ride it wrong? Or and then I move on. Well, did it have the right preparation, or did it do do things? So, and there is always an answer, you know. Like, yeah. Um, I think a good example, and, and maybe it might help a few punters uh, understand a bit. I rode a horse yesterday, uh, Touristic, mm-hmm. he was well in the market in that January Cup, and he was pretty disappointing. He ended up running last, and and it wrecked me day because I thought he'd run really well. And um, he, he he was really disappointing, and uh, and I thought, jeez, that was that was too bad. And I, when when I watched the replay, I thought it looked terrible. It, it looked like I didn't give him a real good ride. But the horse never helped me. You know, mm. he he'd never tra He jumped out. He never traveled. He got into the wrong spot. Then tried to get him into the race because the instructions were to have him a bit closer in the run. But I couldn't get him there because he just couldn't travel. Mm. And then I tried to get him into the race earlier. Um, and then he got pushed off the track because he just wasn't going good. There was horses getting up underneath him and pushed him off the track. So it, it all looked – looked for me it looked terrible. Mm. But then you go back last night and because I'm at an older age and you're not going out to the pub or nightclub, you you sort of uh, get to have time to analyse things. Mm. And so you go back and you look at the race, you analyse the times and the data and the things like that. And, and so what I come up with was that horsey – the up running a track record. Mm. Was, like, that horse, Naval College, he broke octagonal's track record. Wow. And yeah. the sectionals uh were that um like no wonder he couldn't travel because he couldn't he couldn't hardly travel in a two thousand eight Ram week when they were going probably, I don't know, ten lengths slower. Yeah. Um so on that speed he was he was always gonna to struggle. So um, he's he's got into a bit of a habit talking to the connections before the race of hitting flat spots and things like that. So um, – and when you watch the race, the horses that actually come out underneath him, they've ended up running third last, second last and last. So they never got into the race either because yeah. you, you're trying to make ground when they're just running away from you at, at time. So um, what I've been, was that horse, he just didn't have a chance because yes. the race wasn't run to suit. Where he's at, mm. and twenty years ago I would have got off him and said, "Jizzy oh, was disappointed. Mm. He, he sort of half didn't try." But when you go back and analyse it, I think well, just the race wasn't run to suit him. Mm. So that was probably, if he went up in distance and got a slower run race, like maybe if he ran in a twenty two hundred or twenty four hundred on a slower pace, where he actually can travel, he'll probably bounce back and run really well. Yeah. And so I hear all you, you hear you guys say all the time about starting price, like yes. Um, you can't – so that also I think I, – yeah, I think he started maybe third or fourth favourite or something like that. So um, where if he ran in a 2400 next start in a slower tempo, he's probably going to run really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but – um booker. Yeah, it could be. Like, yeah. And But every, he, like you look at it, you say he got beaten 20 yeah. or 15 and, and ran last. But um, just he, as I said, he couldn't travel and I was trying to make him travel – two or three lengths closer than probably what he wanted to travel. Yeah. And as I say, once they run a track record, um, it was probably just – I just didn't ride him right. and yeah. And then then didn't get – as I said, when they started to push me off the track, I wasn't going good enough to hold him in. And, um, yeah, so it looked, it looked terrible. But when you go back and analyse it, you go, oh, well, you're probably not going to get the right again next start. But yeah. um, if, if – uh, like if you were a punter or whatever, if you've seen pop up in a 2400 yeah. – um, on a different tempo, he's yeah. probably a forgive run and, and bounce back. So those little things, um, I do analyse them a lot yeah. more now and even back in the bush um, when, I, when I ride a horse or, or see a horse's run, I'll, I'll go and uh, watch why I thought it, why it won or why it didn't win and, and then try and if I was riding the next start or riding against it. Um, use those things. So I, th- I think it's made me a more complete jockey, mm. all that sort of stuff. A lot stuff. of review work. And yeah. is that
0: something that you didn't used to do back 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, well, you didn't have the – you didn't have that information. Yeah. Like to, like my form guide 20 years ago was the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. But now – access I'm, to video and stuff was so much harder. 100%. Yeah. It, you used to have to get the DVDs. Yeah. And um, go, through, go through them all. But um, uh, now it's all at a touch of a finger mm. and um, – Racing and Sports is dead set now in my homepage. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a great website. Uh, racing and Sports and Racing New South Wales, I'm, I'm never off it. So um, I, I think Racing and Sports have great tools like their speed maps, I think, are the most reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look at their ratings for uh, things where I think what horses could improve and whatever. I think it gives you a really good insight. And I think if you're not doing it as a jockey, yeah, behind the eight ball. Mm.
0: And do the, you know, some of the great athletes of the world, like Tom Brady and stuff, he's known for being maniacal about preparation and stuff. Do you look at those kind of athletes and, and, and get some inspiration out of it as yeah, well? Yeah, most
1: definitely. Like read all their books and stuff like that. So um, I wish I, I wish I was, and, and everyone's the same, I wish I was as smart as I am now as well, yeah. when I was 20, you know. Yeah, well, so youth, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, i I'm too old now to to capitalize on on things, but hopefully I can take these um abilities or or things or learning processes through to maybe some like training or whatever I choose to do like i yeah. think whether you whether you're done training or you're a your bloodstock agent or or a punter or whatever if you can your work ethics everything and if your ability to capitalize on on the strengths of it all um is is how you can can um, yeah, get the best out of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm a big book reader, and um, it's uh, it's you can you can never have too much knowledge, I don't think. Yeah,
0: I think it's an awesome place to finish. Thanks for coming in, mate. You're widely respected as one of the nicest people in racing. I'm sure uh, that's probably what you're most proud of.
1: Uh, so. thank you, mate. Yeah, I, as I said, I just something that you pick up from gay and different people in life. I've been very lucky. There's two people in life. Gay Waterhouse and, and Johnny Lewis. Johnny, always Johnny Lewis, to, the boxing trainer. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: I, did you watch the podcast with Jeff Fenwick that I did? Yeah, yeah. That, no, that was a brilliant it podcast. It was. It yeah, was. Uh, yeah.
1: Johnny's just uh, a soul of the earth. And I would never, he, one of the greatest things he always used to say is the best mess motivator ever. But one of the greatest things he ever used to say, he said, You say, Danny, there's always good in, there's good in everyone. Yeah. And it's so true. Like, there's, there is good in everyone. Just, some people go the wrong path and things like that. But there is there is good in everyone.
0: Thank you very much, mate. All good the best.
1: Mate. Well done. Thank you.